about two of the best things in life, books and champagne, brought to you by Amanda and Ellen, co-owners of your local independent bookstore, Dog-Eared Books in Ames, Iowa. First, give me a cheers. Okay. Okay, we're ready. And books are sexy. Hey, Ellen. Hey, Rachel. Gonna ask me what we're drinking today? Well, we should also say hi to Tommy. Hi. I was gonna get there. (laughs) No, you weren't. You are being really rude. And I am personally offended. Excuse me, you did not know anything about this because I was going to do a whole special introduction with our champagne for today because it was picked out especially for our guest, Tomvi. Tomvi loves the Moscato and the sweet wine. So I went over to Cyclone Liquors and spoke to the gentleman there who was super nice. And he helped me pick out, pick out uh, bubbles that is... Well, so it's Mondoro Osti, and it's Italia, so I'm going to take that to mean it's from Italy. And he said the real keyword to its sweetness is dolce on the bottom. So I don't have notes like Amanda normally does. I don't know if it's... It's Italian sparkling sweet wine from Garanita. Gar, nope. Say it again. <laughs> I said it very different the first time you said it. All right, I'm going to pop this. Now you messed that up. Was like, now you messed up. Now you messed up. And Amanda, it's not with us today. She's sitting on a beach. She is sitting on a beach, and I'm very jealous of her. Well, we're sitting in a lot, and that's like the next best thing. Yeah, obviously. On this rainy day. Is it good? This is so good. Yeah? Yes. Thank you. Cheers to Fridays at the bookstore. I mean, Tuesdays at the bookstore. The bubbles actually sounds like waves. It does it sound does. like waves. Like we are at the oh, beach. Yes. It's like we're with Amanda right now. That is going to be a good segue into the book I'm reading this week. What are you reading? I am reading Endurance by Alfred Nelson. The true account of the... Antarctic voyage of the endurance. So, do you know about the endurance? I think is you that Shackleton. It's Shackleton. Yeah. Yes. So, endurance is the name of the ship. Shackleton's the crew leader of the ship of the expedition. The goal of the expedition was to like cross Antarctica from sea to sea. But the ship they were on, the endurance, sank or became trapped in ice and eventually sank before they could even reach. That's a bummer. Land. Yes. So this is like my dad's favorite book. He's talked about it for years. And The Endurance, The Wreckage of the they Endurance. They just found it. was found earlier yeah. this month. So I was like, I'm going to read this book. But basically, long story short, this crew of like a few dozen people um, survived by camping out on ice and like 
avoiding the extreme weather. Yeah. <laughs> How do you avoid extreme weather anywhere? In <laughs> by hiding under it the ice. Extreme. As much as it's you all can. extreme, though. Uh, it's all relative, okay? If you're hiding under an iceberg, it's probably not as extreme as if you're standing on top of the iceberg. Wait hiding under the iceberg? I don't know, Rachel. But that might give you a tunnel into the ice. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. Because, I mean, igloos. It was 10 months before they were all rescued and every single one of them survived. Well, how did anybody know that they were there? We're caught up in the semantics of this. We need you to... (laughs) They got a boat, one of the, like, lifeboat things, rafts off the Endurance, and they made their way to an inhabited spot. But why they live there for 10 months before getting on the boat? <laughs> These things take time. These things take time. It's an awful long time to get a boat off another boat. I am sorry, Ernest Shackleton, at the disrespect you received no, right heroes. now. No, it's That's a legit. really incredible story of survival and leadership. Hey, you and should go to Antarctica and try it. No, you shouldn't. That's bad for the environment. Don't do that. <laughs> anyway, um, what was I going to say? Something really astute. You astute, yes. This is really good champagne, by the so way. Good. Or reminds me of my sparkling I was wine. childhood, but that's not correct. My young one. Um, <laughs> what I was gonna say is that this is sort of the original, like, narrative history book, you know, that mm-hmm. was that's not super driving. It, it reads like a story. It was published in 1959. So, oh. Alfred Lansing, all of his research was he was talking with surviving crew members, so it was oh, all first hand cool. accounts, mm-hmm. and he had access to like several diaries and journals that they kept all during that time. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like he's looking back on it. He really had those like relationships with the crew members. When did it get stuck again? 1915. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, that's incredible. 1915. Yeah. And there's pictures in the book. They had a photographer with them. So. This is not like a group. Of the ship. And oh, that's their, cool. Yeah. Oh, the crew had a photographer. Yeah. Wow. They did. So. And they didn't like do anything cannibalistic did they no they all survived they all survived oh right but like the donner party i mean survived, i know, I know that the sick person oh right they like are, they feels each like other, it yeah. would be a better story don't, if there was don't say that no, i'm no, being no, no, no. this is legitimate humanity oh hey you gotta do what see you it as a story survive. of triumph yeah. well i mean it'd still be triumph yeah it would just be more tragic triumph. <laughs> if you want a cannibal true sea story, I don't read necessarily the heart of the ocean about a pissed off sperm whale that rams a whaling ship and sinks it. There's cannibalism in that story. It's okay. also made into a movie. Oh wow. Sperm whale got revenge. Good on it. Yeah. That's what you get. Mm-hmm. What are what are you two reading? I'm reading Dial A for Aunties. Okay. Yeah, which is like a hybrid mystery romance novel. I think it's it looked kind of really both. good when I saw it, it come out last summer. Really yeah. cute. Um, it's about this woman whose name I can't remember. She's like in her late twenties. <laughs> she lives with her mom, and she's Indo Chinese, so she's Indonesian and Chinese. So she lives with her mom because it's like her duty as the daughter to like stay with her family. Um, and then her um, three aunts also live in town. So there's four of them, four of these like mothers or women. And then this, the daughter. And they all run a wedding business together. And at the beginning of the book, uh, right before this massive like billion dollar wedding, um, 
the main character goes on a date with a guy who tries to assault her and she tases him and he dies. Oh and she's my like, God. Oh, what do I do? So she brings him home to her mom. <laughs> she's like, mom, what do I do? And so the, the aunts and the mom, they hatch this plan. They, they put the body in a cooler. The, the cooler ends up at this like gazillion dollar wedding. Oh my. Um, but then it turns out that her old college boyfriend is like the owner of the hotel where the wedding has happened. So like, sparks are flying but also there's like a dead body around and it's um it's Sounds really right. lovely they're like yeah. oh we'll laugh about this someday it's really yeah. lovely I mean, they're, like, they're kind of laughing about it now yeah um but also like oh crap we just killed a man um so it's fun what well, i just so so we're into revenge stories right now pissed off sperm mm-hmm. whale pissed off protagonist of your book but why didn't she just call the cops well, she's an Asian woman yeah. who's got okay, a man fair. in her trunk, and she's like, "What? Like, what, fair. What's gonna fair. happen if I call the cops?" Yeah, I just my brain went to Finley Donovan, which I did not finish that book, mm-hmm. and again, I'm just I kept thinking, "Yeah, I don't know." I will. I say, still want to read it though. Like, it's one caveat to the book. So it, it's really charming. The characters all really delightful, um, but the. The older women all talk in this sort of broken English. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I feel like it devolves a little bit into stereotype. Um, and like a lot of the humor relies on that, like their um, their lack of fluency mm-hmm. with the language and like cultural references. So like there are sometimes where I'm like, mm. but like other than that, it is really delightful. Where does the book take place? It's in California. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they all live. Um, out in California and that's actually part of the plot because like Mm -hmm. the daughter is like I could have gone to New York with my boyfriend but I have this duty to my family and like I feel that so hard yeah (laughs) as also an Asian woman I I was like oh yeah we all know that (laughs) filial duty (laughs) well it sounds really good and I still want to read it so Mm -hmm. I can't wait to hear your thoughts when you finish it what are you reading Rachel thanks for asking Ellen um i'm reading acts of violet by margarita montemore and she wrote una out of order which came Mm -hmm. out a few years ago and i absolutely loved that book so much so i was really excited about acts of violet it's an advanced copy so it's not quite out yet but i'm not sure i'm still engaged in it like i like it enough right now but i'm not sure if i'm loving it as much as i enjoyed una out of order so it's about this magician violet volk who was up and coming like super celebrity magician in the 90s and then in her like big act she disappeared in the middle of it so it takes place between perspectives of her sister Sasha who they kind of have a contentious relationship between and then you get clips of like news articles and then it's also this guy Cameron who's doing a podcast so if you've ever read Sadie by Courtney Summers I think you would really enjoy this and I really enjoyed that one um it's just a little slow moving for me right now uh so it's kind of we're coming upon the 10 year anniversary of Sasha's disappearance and or not Sasha I'm sorry Violet's disappearance and the town is like doing this whole big memorial thing and her sister's just very annoyed about it because she stayed quiet about her sister's disappearance for a long time and people are like oh you don't care about your sister enough and blah 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 and on her point she's like okay, well, I say things to be supportive and it's not enough. I don't say anything and it's not enough. And she just wants her privacy of her life back because she didn't choose to be in the public eye. Her sister did. And 
they also had some like relationship sister relationship issues and she's kind of pissed off at her sister for just like disappearing too so there's the whole question of is she dead is she just in hiding and there's a lot of like things alluding to violet had some like financial troubles coming her way or legal problems it's something interesting so um right now i'm in the middle of it and we're waiting to see if sasha's actually going to appear on the podcast because that would be like a huge deal it's sort of an interesting exploration, I think, of, like, the performance of grief, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, yeah. It's like, is there a right way to grieve? Yeah, are you doing it up to someone else's right. standards yeah. for how you should be? And on her point, she's like, I have stayed in the same house, kept the same mm-hmm. phone number, have stayed in the same town where I feel weird and people come into my salon shop to try and get information on her and I have to have photos up because that's what brings in business and her husband works in marketing so he's like oh I'm sorry but we have to like kind of appeal to the Violet fans and she's got like a major cult following too so as a magician yeah which is weird yeah. and it, yeah i know right so well, i mean I, can, I relate to a lot of what you're saying because like when you read a book by an author you really love and mm-hmm. you're like you have mm-hmm. such a high standard and also i was an up-and-coming magician in the 90s oh were is you true no i, mean, I really i really definitely <laughs> wanted that no. to be true but like to me i think of it so it's like a big thing for she's like one of the only women in the industry like there's very few women and that's like accurate information mm-hmm. as is and they're, her fans are called, like, the Wolf Pack or something like that. So mm-hmm. there's, like, huge, big, like, she's got these, like, diehard fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, again, I can't understand that with the ma- magician sort of aspect. And she had, like, a show in Vegas and stuff. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's kind of, like, Chris Angel-like? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who was that guy in the 90s that was actually a huge magician? And he'd, like, make, like, the Statue of Liberty disappear. What? Oh. Yeah. You know, Do you remember? It was, oh, you know, these, like, big ones. TV... You know, like the big TV specials. Someone will remember. I just remember David Chris Copperfield. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I saw him once yeah. at Stevens Auditorium. No. It was legit. No. It was real magic. Was it? You know, actually, there is a guy that a man and I graduated with who is a professional magician. Hmm. We used to have his book. Oh, here. we have his book. Yeah, we do have his Here's book. Here's Real book. Magic, Here's right? Real Magic by Nate Santaforth. Yeah, like he's legit. Well, there are articles like revealing David Copperfield's secrets that you can read online and that it's hilarious uncool no 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 but it's uncool I, I, well that happened to Violet in the book hilarious. too where her basically um her mentor went in like revealed all of these secrets and like debunked a bunch and it was a tv special and he was supposed to do a follow-up but then the follow-up never happened so like she was really pissed off about like him revealing these secrets and the magic community was really pissed off but there's still ones that like nobody knows how she accomplished them and there's kind of like an era of oh my god is magic real because like she was able to levitate at 12 years old at this birthday party which is how this guy kind of became her mentor that would be a cool aspect of the story yeah so the book you're reading now is it a mystery would you classify it as a mystery yeah kind of yeah Yeah. it kind of sounds like it yeah Yeah. it'd be really big for fans of like true crime Mm, that's me Mm -hmm. Because it's got that vibe. And if you, like, I really recommend also reading Sadie because Sadie is a major true crime sort of vibe. Yeah, so that's what I'm reading off of that rant that I hope was a good enough explanation. Thank you for such a concise shut up. Tell me. I hate you. <laughs> okay. So, let's talk about some stuff. What should we talk about? I thought we were going to talk about... 
Tomby's book clubs because she's an amazing book club host. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so and she hosts like a million of them. Yeah. And they're all her brain children and she gets great attendance. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's your book clubs have like a impact beyond just, you know, people like engaging with the story. Like you're sending people yeah, out the community. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about your different book clubs, what each of them is mm-hmm. really kind of about. Okay. Yeah. So I've got three of them. Um, two of them I co-host with Trinity Jones, who also works here. And those two are our middle grade book club called Good Trouble and a high school book club called Totally Graphic. Um, we brainstormed for a very long time on that name. It was very <laughs> difficult to come up with anything. Um so Good Trouble is um, for kids in grades six through eight, and we read all social justice themes books. Um, and it's amazing that there are so many to choose from, because I remember when I was in middle school, there was none. You read mm-hmm. the Babysitter's Club and like yep. Nancy Drew, and that was it. <laughs> um, but there are so, so many good ones. And um, so each month we we pick our book. They're usually based around different identities. So like um, Black characters, trans characters, et cetera. Um, and then the whole point of the book club is to get kids thinking about like, how could I cause good trouble? So we talk about how good trouble is, um, a quote by John Lewis, get into good trouble, necessary trouble. Um, and so we use the scenarios in the books to get kids to talk about, well, if I saw that happen to someone, what would I do? Right. Um, how could I intervene? How could I help someone? Um, it's really cool to like hear a little. They're they're yes. mostly sixth graders that we have in the book club, and, and they've like, actually so cool. they've actually put that into action. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one of my kids who is in eighth grade, um, she came into the book club one day, and she had printed out an article about Senator Jake Chapman. Boo. Yes, and she was like, "This man wants to ban these books in Iowa schools." Uh, and she's li- she literally was waving it around. She like literally came in waving around this oh, article. Bless her. And I was like, well, like we can talk about it. And she's like, we have to do something. And I was like, what? What do you want to do? And she's like, I was hoping you would tell me that. So that day we set aside like 15 minutes at the end of book club, and she read the article aloud to the other kids, and they were talking about how terrible it is that um, Jake Chapman wanted to criminalize the the teaching and inclusion in school libraries of, of these certain books, like The Hate You Give and True Diary of Parts of Indian, et cetera. And um, so they started brainstorming ideas of what they could do to challenge that. And we decided on letter writing. Um, and we had a really great, honest conversation about the impact of that, right? And so we talked about, is this likely to actually change Senator Jake Chapman's mind and like probably not but is it worth doing probably yes right um if for no other reason that it gets you in the habit of challenging things right like you're flexing those kind of activist muscles mm-hmm. um, and, and no one can mistake your silence for complacency yeah exactly right and then you're also less likely to be complacent and silent in other scenarios right, right. and like um, it was really important to me that they developed the language that they needed to be able to challenge these things and talk about these issues. Um, and the efforts of Tomby and the kids in her book club expanded beyond that mm-hmm. to the rest of the store. We opened it up to anybody who wished to come in and write a letter to Senator Chapman. And we continue to have a spot mm-hmm. up where anybody can grab a postcard, write out their message, and we will send it on their behalf because... Mm-hmm. Those kids started it, inspired 
a movement in the bookstore. And it's pretty incredible to see that continuing action and change happen. Yeah. And I think we've gotten over a hundred at this point. Oh, oh yeah, more right? than that. Yeah. More yeah. than that. Yeah. I send out the letters and I've, yeah, I've gotten a lot of stamps. Yeah. So I've had to buy a lot of stamps. So I know how many I've sent. I love reading them. Yeah. <laughs> the way people are like articulate their opinions. It is, is fun. Some of them are really nice. They're yep. like, please reconsider. Mm-hmm. And some are like, you're a dick. Yeah. You know? like, there's just like, no, there's not a lot of like, medical. no, and I you know what? Both of those are legitimate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's actually one of the things the kids talked about. Cause one yeah. of the kids was like, I'm going to make mine really respectful. And I want to make sure that he pays attention. Other kid was like, I don't think he deserves that from me. And I was like, I think both of those are completely mm-hmm. valid. Yeah. Yeah. I actually came into the store this morning and we had, I'm guessing yeah. it was the same Ames high student. Yeah. There's like a ton they had written out and I'm yeah. reading through them. I'm like, wow, this person, like this they were beautiful student written. really yeah. knows their stuff. Yeah. And I don't even think I could have formed the arguments that so they that were So that student researched Jake Chapman. Like you can tell that they oh, researched Jake Chapman and they were like, I noticed in, you know, 2016 that you said x y and z wow. and they're like oh, yeah and i was like wow this kid so and they if that even, kid is listening you should come to our, gra- our graphic novel book club. yeah you absolutely would enjoy it and they, they even cited former mm-hmm. um cases yep. and responded with you'll you'll probably say this case to argue mine yep. and they put that one to rest yep. as well i'm like so I think they've already given us like six postcards. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Because I, I pulled out my stack because I send a few every so often. I don't do a whole big bunch at once. And I'm like looking at the handwriting. I'm like, oh, this is the same student. That's really cool. And I appreciate that. They we continue. did send a bunch at once, though. Oh, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was, that was Ellen's fault. There was like, there was like 60 of them. Ellen did it. Okay, yeah. just to so, be fair. Okay. No, no, no. no, no. There's no not, to be fair. I was fair. not the stupid one in the scenario. was Rachel. And here's why. Okay. This was like December. I grabbed all the ones on the desk and I put them in the mailbox. And Rachel said, I'm like staggering them. But guess what, Rachel? They weren't in session till January. So all your staggering didn't matter. <laughs> Boom, my drop. Boom, my drop. But regardless, <laughs> it was the it was We had a conversation yeah. that day. We did. Well, I don't always listen to you. It was you and Amanda. We had a conversation where I said, I have no stuff on my mind. I will take care of it. (laughs) And then you guys are standing in there and you called me and you're like, Yeah. I go, Are we supposed to send these? And you both go, I don't know. So you took the stack (laughs) and dumped them and didn't question it till they after they had been in the blue box. I thought I was doing a favor for Rachel. And this is the thanks. (laughs) <laughs> I love the thought of them getting all of these postcards. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Like, like cringing like, all yeah, these yeah, more yeah. from the stupid bookstore. But you know, well, it's cool. funny. They don't even probably know where it's coming from because we don't have any of our branding on it. Uh, they might have figured it out. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But I think well, we I think we tagged. Didn't we tag Jake <laughs> Chapman? I tried. Oh, yeah, we have. Um, He's probably But, you know, aware. it's cool yeah. to we have a book club, Chapman's people Corner. get involved and really are so capable mm-hmm. um, so it's just been neat to to see mm-hmm. and that's a good segue into your one of your other book clubs that you host yeah, chapman's list yeah mm-hmm. so that one we're just reading the six books that chapman wants to um pull out from schools and it's really fascinating because there's no like rhyme or reason to it like mm-hmm. some of them you're like okay like clearly he doesn't like queer people clearly <laughs> right, he doesn't like, like black people yep but like we recently read Hey Kiddo, which is a graphic novel about a boy. It's a it's a memoir actually about a boy who um, 
grows up with his grandparents because his mother is struggling with drug addiction and his father is um is just an absent father and um and i was like what well <laughs> and the kid's white and he's straight <laughs> and I'm like I, i'm not really quite sure what is so problematic about this graphic novel and i think i could think of as like isn't it just that it has swear words? Yeah, there's yeah. yeah, there's like a couple of depictions of um the mom um like actually taking heroin. Um, but it's a beautiful graphic novel. And so it's just really interesting to be able to talk with people about and to think that those scenarios don't actually affect children right now oh, or yeah. families yeah. is kind of unreal, especially with epidemics that happen in our nation and in our state and well, and you I know, mean, Jake Chapman, hundred uh, percent, has not read that book. No, mm-hmm. you know, it's he's getting on the bandwagon. These, it's the same yeah. books across the country that we're talking about. It's right? a graphic novel, Jake. <laughs> you can bust that and thing out in like, a while. Even I you it, can handle it. Yeah. When I taught eighth grade, and nobody said anything about it, it's and it got read by so a lot of kids. Good. So you know and it's what? Like, it's that author's actual experience, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, how are you criminalizing? people's actual experiences right. and their identities. Right. And I think with banned books, we, anytime we're talking about banning books, we really have to ask the question like, who's bene- who's going to benefit from mm-hmm. the banning of this book? And that will give us a lot of answers. Yeah. You know? And one of the things I always think about too is that, so we always talk about how kids who don't hold those marginalized identities need these books in order to like develop empathy. Um, but like, they're already accessing stories about black people and brown mm-hmm. people and queer yeah. people um through all of the media that they consume right so it's like who who do they think of as like terrorists and thugs and savages right like they're mm-hmm. already hearing all of it, these stories yes, about yes. these people and like sorry this doesn't fit into your narrative of what you feel those right people exactly mm-hmm. that's a really good so you've got Chapman's List, Good Trouble. You mentioned Totally, totally graphic. graphic. Yeah, which is high schoolers, grades 9 through 12. And like the kids that come are just, oh my God. They're so darling. Like, <laughs> they're, they're so pretty smart. Cute. Yeah, they're like sarcastic, which is like one of the things I love most about high schoolers. Um, and it just makes me feel like so hopeful for the world. Um, so same thing. We try to choose a really like um, diverse range of books, like all, like lots of representation. Um it was really interesting because we read a book called Himawari House, which is a graphic novel about a girl who's Japanese. She's raised in the United States. Um, she sort of sheds aspects of her Japanese identity in order to like fit in. Um, and then after she graduates, she spends a year in Japan to sort of reconnect with her um, identity. And she lives in this house with um, two other Asian women from Singapore and Korea. And so... Um, I'm South Asian. Um, There was a kid at the book club who is um, Korean. And so we were talking a lot about how much we identified with the the idea of this cleaving of your identity and like what it means to go home and like, where is home? Is it here in the United States? Is it like, you know, the country that your family came from and how you don't ever really belong in either place because you're always a foreigner no matter where you go. And... um, one of the kids who is black was like, but at least you know where you're from. And, oh, you know, wow. it's, and it's so, it's so, 
um, great to be able to have conversations like that and to have mm-hmm. this really diverse group of kids that are coming and like kind of challenging each other right. in that way and like sharing their own experiences. But then, yeah, it's, it's really, it's excellent. Um, so we have a lot of like pretty deep conversations mm-hmm. based on these graphic novels, which proves that yes. graphic novels <laughs> are like real great literature, right? Are, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel that this store is very lucky to have Tombi to be here in so many of the capacities that she's taken on, but she is a librarian. Like mm-hmm. you have a master in library study mm-hmm. sciences mm-hmm. and that in what you worked with the teenagers and the young kids at the library, you've been able to really bring that same sort of impact into the store that libraries can impact in so many ways for young students as well. So it's nice to consider this a safe place of discussion for those kids who really need to have those conversations. Absolutely. Well, then shout out to the bookstore. Cause you know, when I gave up my career as a librarian, one of the things that I really feared was like, I don't have these opportunities anymore. And so to be able to have them through the bookstore is incredible. Yeah. Thanks Ellen. Yeah. Thanks, Amanda. Ellen. And Amanda, we miss you. It's a pretty special place. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Okay. So Tommy, you said something interesting the other day, which is worth <laughs> discussing. You said that when you were at the counter, mm-hmm. a customer asked you what your favorite book was and you like, like totally like, I like blanked. literally cannot remember one single book. That like I was like, I, like have I ever read a book? I feel like I have not because I like can't think of anything. What I is know. a book? I, I know not. All the time. And if someone's like, what's a good book you read recently? I'm like, uh, racking my brain. And I'm like, I read constantly. <laughs> I, like, I should know that. I say, I'm like, let me grab my phone so I can look at my goodness <laughs> because I have no that. idea. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm reading Let right now. Let me pull up my document where I keep track. <laughs> What's the name of the author? Uh, good question. Well, we did have an idea several months ago to get tattoos where it said, like, currently reading. Oh. And then you would, like, write oh in. Oh, my God, I forgot about that. I'll do it. I will, I will totally do it. If you, one of you does it, I will get oh, around my forehead. one of us currently, tattoos yeah. you? No, no. I will get currently reading, colon, blank line, and then I would just write in with Sharpie. And then if you're not reading anything, you can like really feel your shame. Oh, look <laughs> at that blank line. It's for sure. Yeah. I have a play card. <laughs> you need to put it on your forehead so then it's more obvious for people. Yeah, you should definitely yeah. do that. Yeah. You could just be like, you could really show off if you were like talking to customers. Like, no one, you know, you can't see me through the podcast, but you could lean up on the shelf like this, make sure your sleeves rolled up and be like, <laughs> Let me talk to you about books. <laughs> <Order>. <laughs> I do have one blank arm, so there you go. We do Perfect. need to get. We actually did say when we were opening year we would do the bookstore would fund tattoos, bookstore tattoos <gasps> uh, yes, for everybody. Please. So we should. Well, do hello. One. Yeah, no, I have a tattoo on the ready to get imprinted on my body. The one that looks like a uterus. No. <laughs> there's no shame in that though, Rachel. No, no I mean there's not, that. but it does not look like a uterus. For yourself. But anyway, this concept of favorite books. So I don't know about the two of you, but I don't think I could choose a favorite. It's like do you ever did you ever watch the show The Mindy Project? Yes, I where she's talking that. about best friends and she was like, Best friend is not a person, it's a tear. It is a tear. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that with books. Mm-hmm. I know that I have like books that I cherish mm-hmm. and there, there's only really a handful of them, but I don't know that I could choose a favorite. Can you choose one that was most like transformative for you? I don't know. Hmm. 
uh, maybe the Poison Wood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver, mm-hmm. in the sense that I the first time I read it, I actually really did not like it. It was like when it came out. Was, Why'd you read it again? I read it for a book club, mm-hmm. and it was one of the first times I was in my mid twenties where I was like, the stuff I was reading. It's a it's a fiction book, but. Um, was talking about like things the United States had done in that region of the world, Congo. And it was stuff that I had never heard about before. And I was like, how come I don't know this stuff? And so I started like researching because I wanted to figure out what all was accurate in the book and what wasn't. And it was all accurate. And it made me feel like there's so much that I don't know Mm -hmm. and that I wasn't taught. And why wasn't I taught this? Because it makes a difference that I don't know this stuff. Um, yeah, we were like having, that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. We were having a, a conversation at the counter yesterday, um, Mariah and I, Mariah who works there, and um, she told me that she had only sort of recently learned about partition in India, India and Pakistan, and it's like a, such a massive right. historical event. Like you know, over a million people died mm-hmm. um, in like the splintering of the country, mm-hmm. and yeah, it is. It's really fascinating to think of these huge, like I mean completely like life-changing events for people that we just don't know about yeah and it made me feel too like I wasn't taught well mm-hmm. and I mean that no disrespect mm-hmm. to my teachers or anything but like that there were a lot of things that were conveniently omitted mm-hmm. from my education well, what makes us as a country look, look better good yeah. versus like the reality which is that you know we've done some fucked up stuff right um, it sounds like that, that was, one book that things my teacher should have taught me or lies my teacher told lies me. my yeah, teacher yeah. told me yeah that's it but it was I think that was and I just love the story I mean it's a beautiful story and it's Barbara Kingsolver is like my favorite writer one of my favorite it's, writers it's set in Congo mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a family of missionaries um, and it's just there was there were just so many things about, about that book that were eye opening for me but in terms of transformative I think. I, I was like really mad when I read that book and I realized like how much I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty eye opening yeah. to, to like have that experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mine would be the Joylet Club. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's like so easy for me to like immediately identify that as like the one book. So when I was in um, high school, when I was a kid, like there were just not like books like we have today that like you know, really representative of a lot of different um, identities. And so it was not really a prolific reader, which is funny because people always assume if you're a librarian, like, oh, mm-hmm. you must love books. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like books are fine. Like, I, didn't, I, was, I wasn't a book lover when I when I actually, like, you know, really decided to start working in libraries. Um, but when I was in high school, so when I was in high school, I never read any of the assigned books. I would like completely bullshit my way through. I would like maybe <laughs> skim some of them. Um, but then I think it was my junior year, sophomore, junior year, we were assigned for summer reading Joy Club by Amy Tan. And that was the first time that I realized that you could see yourself in a book and that it would... Um, help you understand yourself and that would make you feel less isolated um, and that you would realize that like you weren't unique in a particular struggle. And so the Joyla Club is about um, these four women who all grew up in California um, whose mothers are immigrants um, to the United States from China. And throughout the book, um, you, you feel this tension between the daughters and their mothers because the daughters are like, 
we don't understand why our moms like can't give up their their culture and like adapt and assimilate mm-hmm. to the United States. They feel like they're very superstitious. They feel like they rely on like all of these you know Chinese customs um, to get by. And the daughters are frustrated and like embarrassed by it. Whereas the moms have the experience of feeling like their daughters um, are like shedding their identities. And I read it and I was like, holy fuck. Like, that's me. Like, that's who I am, right? Because like, it's this odd experience of growing up with a parent to whom you're sort of a stranger because they're raising you in a culture that's not their culture and that they don't really you know, necessarily understand or relate to. Yeah. Um, and that to me was completely transformational to know that like that bicultural first generation American experience is not my experience. It's many people's yeah. experience. And then I was able to talk about it with other people. Right. Cause it's confusing when you're a kid and you don't understand why you feel like this. Yep. Um, but now it's like, and I remember, like, when I would, whenever I would date someone, I'd be like, just read this book. <laughs> right? Here it is. Like, this is, this is who I am. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's incredible. I'm going to definitely add that one to my list because I think those stories are very interesting mm-hmm. since that is not my experience at mm-hmm. all. And I think it it's definitely made me understand some of my friends better. Mm-hmm. And I know my friend Huey, he's recommended me books um, before, like, Almost American Girl. Mm-hmm. And that's a graphic novel. And he's like, well she's a different type of Asian person than I am, but it's a very similar story of that feeling of, he said, like otherness Mm -hmm. and coming to the United States. And Kat Chow wrote a great memoir similar to Seeing Ghosts, Ghosts. yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Seeing Ghosts, which I highly recommend. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. What about you, Ray Ray? It's hard to think of favorites because I think of books that really... Well, think transformative impacted me I want to say there's two and it's from when I was little and it's Bloom Ability by Sharon Creech and mm, Bridge yeah. to Terabithia Ooh. <laughs> that book is a lot yes <laughs> those two I feel Bloom Ability was the first book I can say I obsessed over and she's like a girl who's living I believe it's been so long since I read it but it was like Missouri or something and she her family life is just a rough situation and her aunt and uncle basically pick her up and they live in Switzerland and they move her to Switzerland and she just feels completely lost because she doesn't understand Mm -hmm. so she's trying to learn Swedish or not Swedish because she's in Switzerland so they (laughs) speak French Italian and um I'm trying to think there's three German is it German it's, I think it borders Germany. So maybe. Well, so it's kind of interesting because depending on which part in Switzerland yeah. you are, it's French, Italian, and maybe German. I think it borders Germany. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it does. And so she's like trying to learn the languages and like writing help or save me or SOS mm. on her window. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, she's like in an American school and just trying to find yourself. And I don't know, as a kid, I just remember thinking like, this feels like me, even though... I had a family. I lived in a small town in Iowa. Like I wasn't off to Switzerland or anything. I was not growing up in the hard situations that she was, but I just remember loving that. And then Bridge to Terabithia was the first book that ever made me cry. So mm. that one holds. I remember place. seeing that move in the theater and oh. not knowing what the end was. And I was like, what? what are we know. doing? Why are we here? And like know. all of my friends and I were sobbing. Oh, no. no, when I was little, I my friend Cheyenne and I, we would play like 
uh, our version of Bridge of Terabithia minus the sad part. But we, because where I lived, there was an old train trestle. So there were these weird like mm. creeks and divots. So we'd call it Creek Bithia. <laughs> Real creative. <laughs> Real creative. And I just like loved the whole idea of being hidden away mm. in the nature and just kind of off in your own little universe and I loved that that kind of creative little world that you could escape into um can I share one more obviously real quick so the chocolate war by Robert Cormier I don't know if anyone's ever read it Mm -hmm. it's um kind of one of like I have. It's like an it's OG way book. Yeah. Time. This yeah. is from the seven, like the early 70s, yeah. right? And it's probably one of the most maligned YA books ever of all time. And for a long time, it was one of the most challenged YA books. Um, it's just about this kid, Jerry, who goes to a Catholic high school um, under the leadership of a very corrupt um, man named Brother Leon. And um, every year, the school has this chocolate fundraiser. Brother Leon, for his own reasons, needs it to go very, very well. So he leans on this like secret society of like terrible boys called the Vigils. These students, they're like these very violent students. Oh my god! To like pressure all the kids into selling as much as they can. And Jerry's like, I don't want to do that. Like I, I don't know why, but I feel like this is incorrect that I should have to do this. And he's got this poster in his locker that says something like, "Dare you disturb the universe?" or something like that. And so throughout the book, he, um he consistently refuses to sell these chocolates, even though there's like mounting pressure on him and including threats of violence. And, um, Whoa. Yeah. So like, it's kind of a hallmark of children's literature, including YA books that no matter, no matter how dark the themes it, uh, uh, explores, there's always some spark of hope in it. Yes. And the chocolate war has no spark of hope in it. Right. Like it ends really violently. Um, Jerry is not successful in his efforts to, you know, kind of thwart this fundraiser or whatever. Um, but he remains steadfast. And, and it's one of my favorite books because it forces you to think about what I do, what I believe is morally correct, even if I were going to fail. Right. Like right. even if even if the consequences were going to be pretty drastic. What's to the me. name of this book again? The Chocolate War. Um Ever, like I feel like when I first started at the public library and they asked me what my favorite book was, my favorite YA book, and I said that, and everyone was like, that's actually my least favorite. Oh, this favorite. is a series. <laughs> There's two of them. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't, there didn't need to be two of them. Um, but like that book has been like a guiding book for me throughout my adulthood is to think about. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. the conversations you were talking about having with kids. Mm-hmm. Like in this case, Jerry's, you know, he has a real consequence. Mm-hmm. But that sometimes standing up for something doesn't mean you're going to get the outcome that you want. Right. And it might actually yep. come at a cost to you. Yeah. But do you do it anyway? Do you do it anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, Dare you disturb the universe? I remember. I that love that. I do too. After part, the Parkland shooting, there mm-hmm. was a walkout at the school where I was teaching. The kids mm-hmm. walked out in protest. Um, and I counted them unexcused. And they were, some of them were like, why did you do that? And I was like, listen. I 100% believe in what you what you were doing. I think you did the right thing. But, like, you have to be willing. You have to mm-hmm. be willing to take the consequence. That's mm-hmm. what makes what you're doing powerful. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and it was like... Good on you. I yeah. can see yeah, that. That's, because, yeah. you know, a, yeah, good for you. Yeah. I'm really happy you did that, but that's what you need to know. You need to know that. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Yeah. I used to always make kids think about like, what are all of the potential outcomes of what you're doing? And like, are you willing to risk those things? And like, maybe sometimes you should risk those things. And that's, it's hard. Like it's every individual's decision, but. That goes back to the good trouble quote. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. What kind of trouble are you willing to get into? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I always felt a little odd about it too, because I'm like, I'm not your parent. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not your parent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> However, your parents brought you here. Yeah. They know what we're about. <laughs> I mean, it's like the name of the book club gives it away. Oh, sure. But like, when I worked at the library, like, it's like, uh, <laughs> like, you should go, go home and tell your parents up. about Don't this conversation. <laughs> All right. What's coming out in paperback? Tommy. Yeah, Tommy, tell us. Um, the Final Revival of Opal and Nev by Donnie Walton, who, by the way, is actually going to be in Des Moines for the Yay. Des Moines Book I'm Festival. I'm so excited. On March 26th, and I can't wait. Also, the author of Power Keeper's Daughter, which mm-hmm. I'm also excited about. They have a really good lineup, and yes. their avid series in general, the Des Moines Public Library, mm-hmm. really can bring in some mm-hmm. top-tier authors that... It's so fun to have that in our little city. And it's free. Yeah. Right? Like, it's you can free. pay mm-hmm. for, like, the VIP passes, but that's pretty incredible to yep. be able to see those authors. Um, so Opal and Nev is a book that um, Trinity and I use. We used to have a BIPOC book club. So Black, Indigenous, um, Person of Color book club. And I think it was actually the last book that we read was Opal and Nev. It was, yeah. And it was one of my favorite books that I read last year. It's so good. Um, I loved it, too. So Opal and Nev is about um, uh, a band that was really popular in the 1970s. So it's a man and a woman, um, Nev, Neville Charles and Opal. And they uh, they were a very short lived band, but they skyrocketed to fame. Um, so Nev is white and British and Bull is black yeah. and Nev is white and he's British and they skyrocket to fame on this fledgling record label. Um, and one day the, the label decides to put together a showcase show. So featuring all of the people that they have on their, on their label. And one of the bands, which is like this, um, this Southern band, like this kind of biker band, they fly a Confederate flag during their set. And they're like the biggest band on the label. And Opal has um, this really visceral reaction to it. Um, she sort of attacks this person who's got this flag. It sets off this chain of events um, that causes the downfall of the band. Um, many, many years later, decades later, they're, they're going to have this revival tour that's going to culminate in this big headline show at like a Coachella style festival. And this woman, um, I think her name is S. Sunny Shelton. She's a reporter um, and she decides that she's going to do like an oral history of this band to coincide with this big show. Um, S. Sunny Shelton has her own relationship to Opal um, that you sort of find out about through the book. Um, but in doing these interviews, so the book is told um, in interview style, not all okay. of it, but a lot of it is told in interview style. Um so in doing these interviews, she finds out this really big secret about Opal and Nev. Um, the end of the book is incredible. Okay. Um, it feels very appropriate for our current times. So even though a lot of the book is historical. Um, and I like that the author um, didn't downplay the sort of racial tension that could exist. Mm-hmm. Um, even between two people who like love each other. Um, 
and um, the racial tension that exists now, yeah. right? And in, in, I think the book came out last year, 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and it deals with a lot of tragedy, too. It does, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. kind of like a pinnacle to yeah. the breakup of the band. Yeah. Um, and it, it does a lot of tragedy in a way, though, that is not, um, it's not a downer to read, mm-hmm. though. Like, it's it's so fascinating. It's a really quick read. At the end, you're like, fuck, yes. Like, <laughs> Opal is just such a badass character. So badass. I, I read it. I've been wanting to for a long time. Maybe. I'm shocked you haven't. Well, it's I know so it's one of those good. ones that's been, you know, because both of you love it and you both have really good taste in your books. Um. <laughs> Thank well, you. you do, Tanvi. Rachel's, Rachel's hit New or with miss. all my middle grade bugs. Rachel's hit or miss. Hurtful. Um, you loved Against the Loveless World, so don't even with me. I did. I did love that book. Um, yeah, it sounds like a great book. Is it? Have either of you read Daisy Johnson's? Yes. Is it? Is the style, the structure of it similar to that? Similar structure. Um, and Daisy Jones came out before Opal and Nev, and so I did read both of them. And there's similar structures, and there's, like, a couple pieces that felt too similar to me, but Opal and Nev, like, Daisy Jones cannot compare to that, okay. in my opinion. Well, that's it, kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. And it was so much It's a debut book, too. Yeah, it is I'm a debut. Sure, yeah, which um, is shocking. Like, it's disgusting that someone could have their first book be so brilliant. Yeah. When somebody writes a book and it blows your mind, yeah. it's mm-hmm. their first book, yeah. and you're like, what? Yeah. I wanted to just hold it. Like, I just held yeah. it against my chest when I finished, because I... Like you said, you're like, fuck. Yeah. Like, and it's like, it's so good that part of me wants to also buy the paperback mm-hmm. and like have her sign the hardcover. And like, I just want, all, I just want all the versions of it. it. And so the paperback good. has a different cover than yeah. the hardcover. Yeah. So. It mm-hmm. It's like a new product. And I wonder, is there anything, I wonder if there's like a special piece in the paperback. I don't think there is. I think it's just, okay. yeah. Yeah. Read Opal enough. Mm-hmm. Final revival of Opal. And then go see her in Des Moines. Yeah, mm-hmm. on March 26th. Yep. At this Saturday. Yeah, this Saturday. No, no, no. It's, that's not this Saturday. Well, it comes out Tuesday. It's yeah, Tuesday. It's this Saturday. It's Tuesday. Yeah, it's, it's this Saturday. Saturday. So it's at Cal's Commons in Des Moines. And like Tommy mentioned, the book festival is free. Mm-hmm. And they are going to have tons of great authors there. They have workshops. And I highly recommend going. I've gone in the past. It was virtual last year. So I'm excited to go in person again. And we'll be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll be there if you want to meet the two coolest people that dog-eared books. <laughs> and Trinity. Trinity's cool, too. <laughs> oh, Trinity. Yeah, Trinity. That's who we met, Trinity and Tommy. <laughs> Rude. All right. New release in hardcover. We've got a new one from Pulitzer Prize winner Ann Tyler, French Braid. This is a decade-spanning novel of a family. So this family, the Garretts, are from Baltimore, and the mom, Mercy has had a very sort of like domestic role in the family. Um, But she's an aspiring painter and she wants to start to kind of live her dream a little bit um, and break out of that role that she's played within her marriage to her husband, Robin. Uh, And they have three teenage children. So the story spans decades, but it kind of starts when they take their very first and very last family vacation in the summer of 59 and it's when I'm reading um, like synopsis of it, it's giving me the most fun we ever had vibes. Mm-hmm. So like really just the life of a family over years and how, I mean, you both have siblings. I have siblings. Um, how those relationships just are so uh, important in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you don't 
necessarily like have a lot of contact or are very close like your whole the family in which you were raised has such an impact on the rest of your life right. so i think that's what this novel is about so that is out this week it's got a cool cover cool and we've got multiple copies so buy it and it's signed we have signed copies signed copies <laughs> and then what about in kids ellen i haven't researched that yet All right, well, I'll just talk about one of the picture books that we have coming out. It looks really cute, and it's kind of funny. So it's three kids. Their parents love... There's no more left in the box. Oh, my God. Rachel, blush. <laughs> Excuse <probably> me. me. <laughs> Excuse <laughs> me. Anyways, so these kids, their parents love to eat all the junk food, like the mm. ice cream, the candy cake, um, fried foods, and they just they are not into the healthy foods. So they're determined to get their picky parents to try like all the good stuff, you know, broccoli. And um, it said even in the page, like to give kale a chance. And I mean, kale's okay, but actually I do like a good kale crunch salad. Now that I think about it anyways. Um, so it's just a rhyme. That's a book that you want to read aloud with your kids. And it's kind of funny because it's a good flip flop of the kids want the healthy food and the parents love the junk food. And they're like, no parents. Your mom's like, give me the chicken fried steak. Yeah. Hey, I can relate. Same. <laughs> Country fried chicken's really good. I remember when um, my That's daughter was like two or three, uh, she's always been very much about proving you wrong. And so she would never eat like her vegetables or her fruits at supper. And so the way we would get her to eat them is like, I would turn to my husband and say, Tyler, I don't think Janie can eat green beans. Do you? And he's like, no, I, I don't think she can. And she'd like give us this real sassy look and she'd like stab the green beans and put it in her mouth and just stare at us. <laughs> like, okay. She really she ate, you. she ate some green beans, but I don't think she'll eat it anymore. <laughs> and she fell for it every time. <laughs> okay, it sounds like these kids need to do that with their parents then. I don't um, think mom can eat the kale. <laughs> and this is just Try One Bite by Adam Mansbach and Camilla Alves McConaughey, and it's illustrated by Mike Bolt. Okay, so what's popping at the store this week? Well, Ellen, thanks for asking. <laughs> On Wednesday, March 23rd at 10 a.m., we have story time with Lovey. And then Thursday, March 24th, we have at 6 p.m., we have Books and Beverages, which is a book club where you don't have to read any particular book. You can come just chat and talk about books and drink your beverage of choice. And that is hosted by you ellen right it is and it's just readers hanging out with readers it's a great place um to get like recommendations for what you want to read next mm -hmm. it's just a fun group of people we always have new faces so please join us yeah it sounds like a good time and i know it's always pretty busy yeah but not too busy where you feel like you're uncomfortable and that's a, that's a plus for me because i don't like going somewhere where i feel like i'm being crowded out after you go to the Des Moines Book Festival, come back to Dog-Eared Books because at 7 o'clock on March 26th, we have the Between the Covers Book Club. And this month we are reading Hook, Line, and Sinker by Tessa Bailey. It is the follow-up to It Happened One Summer. And it is very good. It's very sweet. Has a steamy scene, but it's not as steamy, steamy as book one. So I full out recommend reading both books because they're really good. Do you have to have read the first one to read the second? You don't have to. It would help because you do meet the two main characters in the first one, but you don't need to. But they're not like the main characters. 
characters. No, they're, they're not. Like no. And it's not quite like the universe, like how a lot of rom-coms do universes. So it's, I mean, it's a very much a book one and two slash a universe in a way, but you don't need to read the first one to read the second one. And then on Monday, March 28th at five o'clock, we have the Women from Other Worlds book club hosted by the lovely Danica, who at the beginning of this podcast, you'll have heard a clip from a TikTok that she was featured in. So I recommend coming to the book club and watching the TikTok because it is top notch. And Danica does a great job of hosting these book clubs. She gets great turnout. All right. Um, follow us. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Tommy, for joining yeah, us. It was great to have you. Thanks for joining us today. And- Amanda, we miss you. We can't wait to have you back next week. And I can't wait to not be on the microphone and be back behind the headphones like I normally am. I agree, Rachel. I'm sure you do. I can't wait to have you behind the scenes. <laughs> this podcast only survived because of Tommy, just so you know. That's true. Yeah, that Tommy is. definitely <laughs> did steal the show this time. Tommy's the best. <laughs> Remember, uh, subscribe, like, follow. Because you want to find out what's happening in Dog Eared Books every single week. Yep. And if you don't live in Ames, you can always follow us on social or hit our website to order books. Follow us at, at Dog Eared Books Ames or at Dog Eared Books on TikTok. All right, listeners, keep the champagne flowing and the books going. This is so great. It's so great. <laughs>